Welcome to the Juggernaut Podcast, presented by the most powerful Remax in the world, Gold Nation. Here we are dedicated to helping professionals in the real estate community be- to become an unstoppable force, a juggernaut. Because we believe when the real estate professional gets better, everybody wins. And if you're enjoying our podcast, I want to remind you that we drop a new podcast the third Wednesday of every month. So make sure that you are subscribing where you get your podcasts and give us a like or a review if you're enjoying this. And you can also check us out at juggernautpodcast.com. Now I'd like to introduce my co-host, Anthony James, co-broker of record and vice president of professional development. Hello. Thank you, Stephanie. And hello, Gold Nation. In today's episode, we're going to look at the world that we're living in right now. All of the stress, all of the demands on your time from the pandemic to professional demands to demands at home to just feeling like maybe we're not getting enough accomplished and need to get more done in the course of a day. We all go through this stuff even now more than ever in 2020, more than other years. So today we want to give you some ideas and ways that maybe you can work through some of those stress points and get back to being calm and centered and focused and really focusing on your life and making it better and less stressful. So today, I want to introduce you to Nicholas Stanton, the Executive Director for the Urban Lotus Project that's based in Reno. Nicholas, say hello to our audience. Hello, Gold Nation. So great to be here. We're so glad to have you here. So Nicholas, can you tell us a little bit about your background in yoga and the Urban Lotus Project and how you came to be affiliated with the group and a little bit about what you do there. Great. Yeah. Um, well, firstly, thanks for having me. Thanks for this opportunity. Um, I, um, I'm a 500 hours certified yoga teacher, um, now, but honestly, what inspired me to get my credentials to be a yoga teacher, um, was to give, uh, to allow myself to have an opportunity to teach for Urban Lotus Project, um, which is a grassroots, um, very small boots on the ground kind of organization that, um, sprung up here in Reno about seven years ago, um, unofficially, and then became an actual, um, nonprofit organization in 2015. And I, um, so I found yoga, uh, yoga, my own yoga practice, um, as a way to manage, uh, some, you know, chronic lower back pain I was dealing with and sciatic nerve pain. And I found with a sustained and, uh, you know, kind of committed regular practice, my, my pain was uh, virtually gone within a couple of weeks. Um, big claims. I don't want to go out there and say that's going to be everybody's result, but, um, that's just what I experienced. And, um, and it, I, you know, I had dabbled in yoga for a while, um, for about a number, like at least 10 years here and there, but it never, it, it never hooked, hooked me until this, this time around. And then I began a regular practice and I thought I got to be doing something with this. Um, and then of course, as I mentioned, Urban Lotus Project started by uh, Hannah B, um, who was a, a colleague of mine in high school. Um, I started seeing what she was doing and I'm like, I got to be involved in this somehow. So a bunch of other cool um serendipitous circumstances all fell into place and i found like the best teacher training program and i went in and all with the aim of being able to teach for urban lotus project one day um yeah the story the story gets more interesting as it goes on Um, i don't know if you wanted me to keep going or you had another question yeah well thank you for sharing that nicholas um i'd like to you know kind of share with the audience if if you would just a little bit about what Urban Lotus Project does differently, um, how you guys go into the community, 
partner with uh, community services and you know juvenile facilities and just different different um, platforms that you guys have partnered with to come in and teach yoga to at-risk youth or youth that have experienced some sort of childhood trauma from their past. So can you kind of share a little bit more about, you know, kind of that mission for Urban Lotus Project specifically? Absolutely. Yeah, we, um, so we like to say our slogan is empowering Nevada's youth one breath at a time. Um, And our our stated mission is to serve and empower at-risk and underserved youth and young adults through trauma-informed yoga and meditation practices. Um, so really what this is doing is we, we recognize a kind of a deficit or a lack in not only um, the, the, commu- the organizations that are serving at-risk youth, but also just the yoga industry in general. Uh, traditionally, at least as far as yoga has taken form here in the West, um, has been a relatively inaccessible practice for a lot of different groups and populations. Um, I mean, I, I'm eternally grateful for what the early pioneers of yoga have done for yoga as far as introducing it to the general public and kind of getting it on everyone's radar. So we start from there and say, okay, and where else can we go? You know, how can we bring yoga to people who uh, have traditionally been, you know, um, not not able to access it um and 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 we could that's a whole other topic <laughs> i'd love to get into another time but uh so really it was like saying look yoga is beneficial and we're all seeing the benefits to yoga why aren't folks who are in situations who could really use it the most not getting it and not having access to it and how can we make that happen so hannah the founder uh she discovered her own healing in yoga and decided she needed to give back um, to the very population she actually, uh, you know, was a part of at one point and began teaching yoga in one of the juvenile detention centers here in Reno and was just blown away by the success of it and the, the kind of the changes that she was seeing and the kids that she was teaching to. And through some talk with some friends and some great support from the community, was able to you know turn this into a fully fledged organization to where we now contract with thirty different yoga teachers um, as independent contractors, and we connect them up with service organizations here in town. Uh, we work with about fourteen of them at the current moment uh, to bring the yoga teachers into the facilities to teach these uh, trauma informed yoga classes as part of the actual programming on site. And uh, these facilities range from the juvenile detention centers, uh, residential um, substance use treatment centers, drop-in homeless youth centers. Uh, we've been worked with uh, charter schools that are working with at-risk youth, um, Title I schools uh, here in the actual county, and um, yeah, various other organizations that serve foster youth um, and whatnot. So anywhere we can really get in and create the yoga class as part of the, the, that organization's regular programming, that's, uh, that's where, where we're going. That's where we serve. So I I love that you're giving back to people that can't access yoga and that probably need it the most. Tell us a little bit about the trauma-informed yoga and how that's different from kind of a traditional class at a traditional yoga studio. Great. Yeah, this uh, this began. There are a number of great books and research out there that I'd be happy to send some links to. about kind of where this all began, but a lot of the new the new trauma research is that's coming out is recognizing that you can't talk your way out of trauma. Uh, so traditional psychotherapy 
um, and even psychiatry and, um, you know, medication are helpful, but ultimately to really heal from trauma, um, it needs to be an embodied uh, therapy and an embodied practice, a way of reconnecting our consciousness and our cognition to the experience of the body. Uh, because the body remembers everything that happens to it. And, it, and we hold on to that and store that inside of us as years go on, um, you know, because trauma happens to the body. So we work directly with the body to process trauma. Um, and so there have been a lot of number of best practices that have come out of this, uh, ways to lead a, a yoga class or what to emphasize in a yoga class that do focus in and target on these, um, you know, where we store our trauma and how to kind of release that trauma. But secondly, it, it goes into looking at how a traditional, when I say traditional, I just mean like what, uh, what a yoga class looks like in the studio um, you know, in, the, in a given American city. Um, there are a lot of things that happen in that class that can actually be uh, traumatizing initially for the first time to somebody or can be re-traumatizing to somebody who has um, some adverse experiences in their past. So what trauma-informed yoga really looks to do is use what we know about trauma, and it, it informs not only what the class looks like, like what is actually taught, but also how it's taught. The way the teacher cues uh, the students, there are no demands being made. Everything is choice-based. All cueing from the teacher are often offered as invitations. Um, we set up the room in a very specific way so that um, all the mats are in a circle, and everyone faces towards the center, so nobody's back um, is to somebody else. And we try to have the teachers back towards the door in the room because having a door behind a student can be triggering or alarming or just uh, unsettling and adds more stress to the situation as uh, hypervigilance is one of the uh, typical uh, symptoms of trauma. Uh, we don't use a lot of the props you'll see in a yoga studio. Um, the blocks, the straps, the straps can actually be particularly triggering for a lot of individuals, so we don't use them. Um, we don't take them into harmful poses. We're not looking to, um, uh, yeah, no, no, no headstands, no handstands, uh, <laughs> nothing dangerous. Uh, safety is one of the biggest, biggest things. And I always say like the, the, the three pillars of trauma informed yoga are safety, consistency, and choice. Um, so the practice is relatively the same every time they come in. So the kids know what to expect. There are no surprises always given the option to uh, opt in or opt out of a, uh, a pose or even the entire class altogether. If um, somebody wants to sit on the, their mat the entire time, we completely let them do that. Um, that's their choice. And I'd say it's all yoga. Um, as long as you're on that mat, I think the consistency of having the teacher show up and, and provide the, the attention and the space during the class is a, is a huge part of, of that healing process. Um, no touching. A typical yoga studio, you'll see the instructor come around and offer adjustments or assists with their hands. We're completely hands-off. Uh, there are a number of poses that are particularly vulnerable or expose more vulnerable um, parts of the body in very um, unprotected ways, so we don't even use those poses. And, uh, yeah, I could keep going. The science is really interesting. <laughs> There's been a lot of great great literature put out there on it. But uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell. It's a, it's a yoga that's focused on assuming everyone has some kind of really traumatic event in their past and we want to emphasize safety, consistency, and choice. 
Yeah, that's really good, Nicholas. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I feel like that's the perfect segue. You know, I, I know many of our listeners have had some traumatic escrows, Nicholas. Okay, so in <laughs> yeah. our world of business, um, you know, it can be pretty demanding. It can be very stressful at times. I mean, anxieties are high. And then you compound all of the normal course of business stresses uh, in, in addition to, you know, COVID-19 and, you know, distance learning, if you have a family and, you know, yeah. everything else that's just going on in our society right now, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to kind of share some of the benefits that you as a yoga instructor, you know, see whether you're working with youth or an adult, right? There's benefits to doing yoga. Um, I've done it maybe, I don't know, half a dozen times or so. And I got to tell you, every time I do it, I feel relaxed. I feel at peace. I feel centered. Um, I get a good stretch in. I mean, it, it's, it's good stuff, right? There's physical mm -hmm. benefit. There's also some mental benefit, um, from the practice of yoga as well. So can you kind of share from your, you know, vantage point as the expert, uh, in this space of yoga, what you see the benefits being for someone that is dealing and trying to manage day-to-day -day stress? Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Yeah, you touched on it right there, saying you always feel better after a class. I remember there are times where I don't feel like going to class, and I go, and when I leave, I never regret having gone to class um, because that's that's what it does. And I think um, a yoga practice can look like anything. It can be five minutes of just um, mindful breathing, adding a little bit of gentle movement into it. And really what it comes down to for me, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of good science out there that shows, you know, specific medical or physical benefits to the practice. Uh, as you mentioned, we could all we could get, get a good stretch on. We could all use um, some more stretching in our lives. The movement and the stretching hydrates our tissues. Um, it keeps us mobile. It keeps it adds necessary stress to the bones that encourage growth and strength over time, uh, just like any physical practice, really. But what sets yoga apart from other physical practices is that mind piece. Um, yoga traditionally, I mean, it's thousands of years old. It began, it, it is a meditation practice and a science of life way, way more than it is an actual physical practice. And I think you touched on the stress of our times and the stress of your, uh, of your listeners and those uh, in, the, in the real estate field. Um, I think, you know, our, our, our culture could definitely be defined by its stress. If you could point to the residual effects of stress in the world, that would be like the sign that humans had looked here once, um, <laughs> the way we stressed ourselves out. And, and that comes simply from not living in the present moment. Um, you know, depression comes from living in the past. Anxiety comes from living in the future. Um, all of these things are products of our thinking. They're complete constructs of our brain and our thinking. And yoga gets us out of our heads and into our body, where we really do find a, a like sanctuary in the present moment. Um, anytime we can focus on sensory um, um, stimuli, things like uh, the sense of touch, the sense of smell, the feel of air on the skin, all of these things are the language of mindfulness, of grounding us down into the present moment. And I think anybody who's anybody could benefit from this um, or, or having a regular practice or a set of tools that allow them to experience that coming back to the body, coming back to the present moment, anywhere you are, any time of day. And, and there are plenty of opportunities to do that. Um, and uh, But given an actual 
yoga class, like a scheduled class in your day where you, you carve out and you commit yourself that, to that time to go there and to be there and to do that for yourself, honestly. And, you know, self-care is, is other care. Uh, when we feel grounded and we feel better, we're more ready and, and able to support those, um, those around us who also need us. I love yeah, that. I think, uh, yeah. I love that you define that kind of as self-care because that's such a kind of a phrase that's used so commonly in our society now and people are just starting to realize that self-care is really important. Obviously, we all look out for other people in our business, in our family, in our lives, and we tend to put ourselves last. So I I love the focus on that and putting yoga as part of that self-care and that focus and that priority. And two, you said nobody's ever gone to a class and been, you know, sad that they went or disappointed that they went through and did that mindful workout. That's, it's so true. There, there's not a workout that you're going to regret, especially if it's yoga and it connects all of your body to your mind. I just, I I think that's a really, a really fantastic point. Um, So speaking to our, our listeners who are here, who are taking time out to listen out of their very stressful lives, of course. Is there some type of um, technique that you might be able to advise them on, hey, I just had that phone call with this seller who's being completely unreasonable and doesn't understand why her house (laughs) is sold and has just yelled at me for 10 minutes straight and I need to be able to focus. Is there some kind of advice that you could give that agent in, you know, a minute or two of something that they could do at home or just parked at the side of the road or something that they can do to kind of bring their body and mind back into focus and to calm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, firstly, it's important for us to realize that there, there is this feedback loop between our, our bodies and our minds. Be, I'm not, because they're not separate. I think it's, it's, it's in our culture to talk about them and think about them separately, but they are completely not separate in ours. You are your body. The mind is in the body, and when we're stressed out, our body responds to that a certain way. And the physiological sensation of being stressed has some very specific qualities to it. Uh, Elevated heart rate, uh, muscle tension, um, sweating, uh, um, uh, uh, shortness of breath or increased uh, breath frequency, and What's really, really cool about these practices is if you change the embodied response, thoughts change too. So if you're coming off of that call and you notice your chest is clenched up, you're breathing shallowly, your heart rate is probably maybe through the roof, return to your breath. Um, Park the car. Take a little moment. Allow the eyes to close if you can if that's comfortable uh, where you are. And... Bring your attention to the breath or to just the sensation of where you are. Like, let's say you're sitting in your chair. Notice where you feel the fat sitting in the chair. Where is there pressure in the body of the, your, your legs or your seat making contact with that chair? How does it feel to have your feet making contact with the earth? Um, are there other tensions in the body that are the natural effect of sitting in a chair as opposed to the tensions that have arose from this stressful situation. So really, I mean, like radically returning to the present moment as it is, because your elevated heart rate is about what you experienced in the past. It's not what's happening 
right now. What's happening right now is you sitting in that chair, and that comes with, you know, very, very specific sensations that we have access to. Um, everybody, anyone can have some form of access to feeling what it's like where they are in time and in space. And that's where you bring your attention and just keep the attention there. And if you notice yourself wandering going back, it's okay to acknowledge, oh, all right, I got off track. I'm just going to gently guide myself back to that, those sensations of the present moment. Um, and if sensations uh, don't work, mindfulness of breath is also a fantastic exercise. Just notice your breathing. Is it slow? Is it fast? Is it deep? Is it shallow? Where do you feel breathing in the body? Is it only in the chest? Can you feel it happening elsewhere? An expansion of the rib basket or maybe an extension around the navel? Do you, can you feel your breath in your back? Do you notice the sensation of breath of the air moving across the nostrils and out of the nostrils? Um, there are all of these sensory cues all around us at any given moment that you just you just bring your attention to them. So you don't really have to do anything. It's just retraining where our attention is in the moment. And of course, the hardest part about this is remembering to do it, especially when we're stressed out. Um, set reminders. Put a reminder on the phone. Every hour, have the alarm go off. And then take those five minutes to, to, to do this mindfulness of breath or mindfulness of, of um, sensory information. Um, hugely, hugely beneficial. Um, and if that's a little too much, uh, here's another simple thing. So our, um, our nervous system, the way it's programmed is to get our bodies ready to take action when something stressful has happened. This is the autonomic nervous system. And when there is a stressor, we go into the sympathetic nervous system, which is all the systems in our body that prepare us to either fight or uh, flight. So either run towards something or run away from something. Those go online. And... The other piece to that is the parasympathetic nervous system, which is what allows our bodies to come down from that experience, to digest the experience, to rest, and to kind of restore um, our systems and be ready for the next stressful event. Our culture doesn't really give us all that many opportunities to stimulate that parasympathetic nervous system. We are not encouraged to rest, digest, restore, slow the nervous system down again. We are in constant fight or flight. And that's taking a huge toll on our body. Yoga and these practices give us an opportunity to get back to rest and digest. Even if it's just for a few moments, it could be so restorative. Um, and what specifically tied to that is when we inhale, that auto, that uh, sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight system, is actually stimulated slightly. So the heart rate goes up. There's constriction um, in certain places. Um, you feel it. Like if you take a breath in, there's a little, little tiny surge of excitement. And often when we're really stressed out or hyperventilating, we're emphasizing the inhales, right? These really short, shallow inhales with no attention whatsoever on our exhalation. Because when we exhale, we stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system that rest and digest, thus bring everything back down to equilibrium and calm down a little bit. So a great practice is to notice your breath. Pay attention to the inhale, pay attention to the exhale, and begin to count them out. So maybe maybe your inhale lasts for two seconds, exhale lasts for two seconds. Inhale lasts for two seconds, exhale lasts for two seconds. Then begin to see if you can stretch out the length of the exhale. 
So if I'm breathing in for two, I'll try maybe breathing out the three count. And then slowly I can add on to that. So maybe over time I can actually double the length of my exhale. And just by doing that, your body itself is going to come back down into a state of relaxation. And the thoughts and the anxieties that come with that will also uh, relax somewhat. And it can be great, great way to recharge and be ready for the next you know, event or situation you have to, you have to uh, deal with. Yeah, that's really good. Nicholas, I wish you could see all of us right now because everyone is extremely relaxed <laughs> and focused on their breathing. Um, yeah. Um, great, just very practical tips. I love, you know, this exercise that you've kind of brought us through. Um, I, I'd like you to kind of share some of the, you know, the, the health benefits, right? I've, I've heard around health benefits as it pertains to yoga um, specifically, you know, it, it can help with weight loss. It helps lower blood sugar. It does something with cortisol levels. I mean, can you speak to some of those, you know, empirical kind of health dip benefits that you're aware of, um, when someone takes the, the time. And that was the other thing I wanted you to kind of add. We had talked about this on the pre-call, but you know, the, the biggest, one of the biggest benefits from, um, doing yoga is carving out the time, right. Without mm -hmm. the distraction, because, of course, we're kind of in this overstimulated society with our phones <laughs> yeah. just dinging, you know, 24-7 with text and email and phone calls and, you know, family dynamics and your business and everything that goes into it. And so the number one thing is, is taking the time, right? Pausing, yeah, disconnecting right. And, and getting in that space and then working through the progressions and the, the stretches and the poses and, of course, you know, the meditation and controlling breathing and everything. So can you kind of speak to all of those dynamics, kind of the experience itself and how that plays into the health dynamics uh, that we so often hear around yoga? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Um, you know, I'm, I am in no way an expert on the medical science behind yoga. Um, so I can't, I can't with good authority, uh, speak to a lot of those, uh, those findings. Um, but I, I do know a handful of, you know, the claims that are out there and they're, they're pretty well substantiated. Um, uh, you know, cortisol levels, as you mentioned, uh, it's huge and like hypertension, um, a lot of different, um, kind of a mood, uh, mood and affective disorders. So both anxiety and depression um, are, are, are great candidates for actually uh, seeing improvements when, when you work with them through a yoga practice. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, everyone could be using more stretching and more mindful movement and just reconnecting the pieces of their body into an integrated whole uh, just via our attention. And I think that's what makes yoga so unique. Um, as opposed to any other kind of physical activity is it does, it coordinates our attention with all the different places of the body. So when you're in a certain pose, right, that's, that's stimulating um, a, a certain constellation of connected tissue, muscles, and bones that we might not be used to feeling um, in that particular configuration. So that's why we take the pose and we hold it and we breathe into that almost like we're like creating an imprint or an impression um, in our brain of, of, of our body uh, be in a different shape and doing something else and feeling those different muscles tensed or compressed or uh, being used in certain ways. So it, 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 it develops a different kind of intelligence that um, I, I think is, is so powerful because to me, the greatest gift you can give, not just another person, but yourself is attention. Um, we fo where we focus our attention, that's where life grows. 
and that's where um, the, like new sources of energy can be unlocked or you can find them you know that, 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 that these kind of like the dark places of the blind spots in our body where we might be holding a lot of grief or holding a lot of tension the practice of yoga gives us an opportunity to focus on those places uh, from our own place without the aid of, of a practitioner kind of doing it for us so it is very much a very empowering self-directed practice which is one of the biggest benefits that we try to emphasize in doing this work without risk use is giving them opportunities to make choices with their bodies, discover uh, new powers that they have or new capabilities that they might have uh, and um, um, things that they might achieve um, on the mat specifically. Um, but as, as far as like uh, carving out time for yourself, that's the most important thing. Um, and this ties back to my, my piece about uh, you know, attention being, Given the opportunity to pay attention to your body um, is, I think, really the, the crown jewel of the benefits of, of, of a yoga practice, and, and that means that means giving yourself the attention, and the time to to do it, to add it to your life. And if you're stressed or distracted, I highly, highly recommend developing a morning practice. Um, it can look like anything. It, it can be ten minutes. It could be half an hour. Um, and honestly, I would think a, a morning practice, a 30 minute morning practice is going to be far more beneficial to you than 30 extra minutes of sleep. Um, so wake up a half an hour earlier than you usually do and find a space in the home. It could be anywhere. It could be any size, anything that you can move in and develop your own practice. That can be a sitting meditation practice, um, followed by light movement coordinating your breath with your movements um, tons of great 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 youtube videos and um, out there that can like guide you through what these would look like um take some time to journal even like what what a great way to start your day than to actually collect your thoughts in a writing form um really anything it's about the attention and the care i think that um is where we see the most improvement and the most growth um and the most healing um, in our lives, because that's what we're not getting. We're not giving ourselves it. We're not getting it from others. We're not getting it from the world. But we are completely empowered and able to set that time aside and, and give it to ourselves as a gift. Yeah, that would be quite a gift to give to yourself. I loved what you said. I just I have to bring it back because I wrote it down. It's my favorite part. Where we focus energy is where life grows Wow. Like, I, really, right. really, wow. I think I'm going to go put that on my board downstairs, seriously, <laughs> when we're done here. Um, I, I, yeah, I have learned a lot. And, you know, if anybody can tell, my breathing is much slower now and much more relaxed. <laughs> I'm legitimately taking notes. Um, I want to know if there's a way, if our audience wants to get more involved with what you're doing or look at the virtual classes or reach out and figure out how they might assist you guys or learn more or start their own practice. What's the best way that they could potentially reach out to your group? Oh, great. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, our website is www.urbanlotusproject.org. Um, and on there, um, you can find a little bit about us, um, all the various ways to donate and to give. Um, we do operate primarily off of the kindness of our regular donors. Um, so we have the Karma Club, which is our uh, regular giving program. And then we have Friends of Urban Lotus, where um, it's a giving program by local businesses. And so what we try to do is prop up the business who also gives 
Um, so we'll feature their logos on our website. Their logo will go on to our, um, some of our marketing materials and our flyers. And um, yeah, we're also always open to sponsorships, uh, organizational sponsorships for our fundraising events. Uh, we obviously haven't been able to hold any fundraising events this year. Uh, hopefully that changes next year. Um, and yeah, drop us a line. Um, you can send us a message on there. Um, and uh, we're, we're just internally grateful for, from the kindness of the community and those who support us uh, and believe in what we do. Because we really do see an effect in these kids' lives. Um, most of the time, just having somebody consistently, the same person, knowing that the kids knowing that that person is going to show up and be there for them and give them this practice, this beautiful practice. It's just so beneficial, and um, you know, we wish we could see it more. And uh, we're looking to to grow our, our offerings, expand into other regions. We'd love to be getting out to more rural communities, uh, but it all takes time, and it takes it takes resources. Um, so we're we're eternally grateful for all the support that we get. And uh, yeah, um, I think that's it. We owe also um, Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us there. Uh, we try to share quotes from our students, um, things that we hear them saying about the practice, just just to keep everyone plugged into really what their support is going to do and um, how it directly connects with, uh, yeah, serving the vulnerable youth of our community. Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us here on the Juggernaut Podcast. It really has been a privilege. I got to tell you, I've I've taken some notes as well. I, I took down the same note that Stephanie uh, wrote, where we focus our attention, that is where life grows. I think that is a powerful statement. And just, um, you know, taking a moment to uh, focus on your breathing, to focus on yourself, to manage the situation a little bit better, to get back to a balance, uh, all great points. Thank you so much for sharing um, and yeah, we'll post all of those resources in the podcast as well. And hopefully, uh, we can keep connected here into the future. Any final thoughts, Nicholas, from you or Stephanie? Uh, no, none for me. Um, thank you again for allowing me to, um, to be on your show and to share these beautiful practices. They're, they're for everybody. That's, that's what we believe in. And that's why we do what we do is this is not private domain. Uh, these are available to all people, and we could all use them. So we're just doing everything we can to get them out there. So, uh, again, thanks for platforming uh, my voice and these stories uh, to share these, these practices. We, we appreciate you taking the time today, and I know that all of our listeners have learned a little bit today and perhaps are going to take a few minutes to be able to focus back on themselves, which is really where we all need to be. We're all going so fast, a million miles an hour, every minute of every day. And to just carve out those five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes to focus on ourselves to get better. And we've really got some great tips and practices today. So thank you so much. And thank you all of our juggernaut listeners for tuning in today and learning from Nicholas. Thanks a lot, Nicholas. I have one, oh, yeah. one final thought. You just said, um, there's a, there's a beautiful African saying that says that these times are urgent. We must slow down. Nice. All right. Well, That's it's it. with yeah. that. I feel like, you know, Perfect. <laughs> we got to slow down. Thank you, Nicholas, so much for yeah. your time today. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you guys next month on the Juggernaut Podcast. Take care.